morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Baer's Moving Markets podcast. It's Tuesday, the 15th of August, and my name is Helen Freer. China are in the headlines again this morning after the People's Bank of China unexpectedly lowered a key interest rate. On today's show, I'll be talking about this and more market news with my colleague Mike Rauber. And I'm also joined by our chief economist, David Cole. And after the recent data we've had from the US and the UK, I'm going to be asking him about his outlook for both the US Federal Reserve and the Bank of England. But let's start with the market news. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Helen. So I've just mentioned China being in the news. Contrasting news in Asia this morning with central bank loosening in China amid disappointing economic figures and a very strong Q2 GDP figure out of Japan. What more can you tell us, Mike? Yeah, first on China. Its central bank unexpectedly lowered a key interest rate in order to bolster an economy that is on the brink of deflation and is dealing with a worsening property slump. The weakness was actually reinforced by data releases today, Helen. It showed that July industrial output and retail sales came in below expectations. Somewhat interestingly, the government also said that it will stop publishing its youth unemployment rate for the 16 to 24-year-olds, which has been hovering around an incredible 20%, saying the data need further optimization. And U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen described Chinese economy woes as a risk factor to the U.S. And so turning to market action, the Chinese yuan is at its weakest since November, and 10-year bond yields fell to their lowest since 2020. Although Chinese stocks, and I think that's interesting, are only slightly down, less than a percent for on the day so far, and they have been recovering some of their earlier losses. Okay, and what about Japan? Yeah, there we've seen, as you mentioned, uh, GDP grew at an annualized pace of 6% in the second quarter. This marks the strongest quarterly growth since the last quarter of 2020. And Japan's economy, the third largest in the world, surpassed its pre-pandemic levels. Now, looking at the number a little bit closely, the growth spurt was really driven by much better exports, led by auto shipments and people visiting the island while there was a drop in consumption as wage growth is lagging inflation. Now, Japanese equities are higher on the day, but by less than a percent. And maybe if I can add, the Japanese yen is above 145 against the US dollar since the start of this week. This may be worth watching as it is at levels now that triggered the first Japanese yen buying intervention since 1998 in September of last year. And coming to the US now, tech stocks had their best day for two weeks yesterday on the back of the prospect of a soft landing for the economy. What's the story there? Yeah, uh, it was really the artificial intelligence stocks that were the winners yesterday, with the Nasdaq up 1.2%, led by NVIDIA's gain 7% on positive brokerage reports. But it was not all rosy, as all, only six of the 11 sectors in the S&P 500 gained, and small cap stocks closed at their lowest in a month. So overall, not a broad advance in U.S. equities on this first day of the week. Certainly something to look out for in the coming days. And what have, may have been holding back equities could have been the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield, which advanced to 4.2% yesterday, its highest level this year as inflation uncertainties have resurfaced. But more on the US economy from David Cole in a minute. And Argentina's presidential election to be held in October has hit the headlines already. Why is that, Mike? 
Yes, uh, Argentina's government devalued its currency by 18% and hiked its policy rate by 21% to 118% yesterday. And it had to do so after Javier Milei, who favors dollarizing the country and even abolishing the central bank, got the most votes of all contestants in the country's nationwide primary elections. Now, you need to know the country is in the midst of an economic crisis with inflation topping 100%. And so as a major trading partner to the other countries in the region, in particular Brazil, the events in Argentina are likely to be now even more closely followed across the continent. And I think we have to talk about Russia now. The ruble crashed yesterday through 100 to the dollar for the first time since March last year. Can you tell us more about this? Uh, yes, I don't know how much I can add just to, uh, as you mentioned, uh, the, the ruble fell through 100 against the US dollar yesterday. It's now a little bit stronger. But due to this fall, the Bank of Russia announced yesterday an extraordinary meeting for today and said that they will publish a key rate at 10.30 local time. So I guess that's all I can tell you at the moment and we'll need to wait and see. Okay, great. And looking ahead to today then, what's coming up? So yes, we've already had figures out of the UK, which saw stronger than expected rises in weekly earnings, but also a jump in the unemployment rate to 4.2%, higher than the 4% expected. And in Germany, the ZEW survey for on investor confidence will be out this morning. It is eagerly awaited as Europe's biggest economy is anticipated by the IMF to suffer the only contraction among a group of seven nations this year. And lastly, for the US, the focus is on retail sales today. Amazon's Prime Day is expected to make its positive contribution so that the monthly rise should be 0.4%, up from 0.2% in the prior months. On that note, also Home Depot's earnings results out today may give some additional flavor on the consumer's willingness to spend. That's all from me and back to you, Helen. Very good. Thank you very much, Mike, for the roundup this morning. And moving on to you, David. Good morning, first of all. Good morning, Helen. So let's start with the US, where the July inflation print that we saw last week came in at 0.2%. This feels like good news. So the trend of inflation coming down in the US is continuing, right? That's correct. So this uh, 0.2% plus, that's uh, the monthly change uh, of uh, consumer prices, which had been reported both for the headline rate, but also for the core rate, which uh, which tends to ex exclude these volatile components like energy and, and food in order to see better the trend. And uh, just take this 0.2% and annualize it, uh, and you arrive at 2%. This is exactly the uh, price stability target the Fed has. So this is definitely good news when we're looking at the uh, sequential pressure of inflation. At the same time, the trajectory of inflation in the U.S. is changing slightly. Uh, still, the inflation is profiting from what we call base effects. So it's profiting, the annual rate is profiting from these base effects, uh, which come that uh, a large price increases happened exactly 12 months ago. They are now uh, dropping out of this annual comparison. So the prominent figure you see in, in the headlines uh, it profits uh, from the space effects, uh, which uh, brings inflation down. Um, we think uh, this will at 
some point stop to contribute here really to total lower inflation. And the same applies also to energy price, which came down a lot in the last 12 months and contributed to lower inflation. And what will be become much more important, and this is exactly this monthly dynamics of inflation, how this sequential dynamics uh, evolves. And here, um, when we drill down to this, uh, to this inflation figure, we, we have seen that uh, not only the overall figure had been lower than in the previous months or than a year ago, uh, but also more and more components or categories uh, which are used in this uh, consumer price inflation basket, uh, they are uh, either falling in prices, so ultra is falling in prices, the share is in increasing, uh, but also this extreme price increases we have seen in the past, the components are getting less and less. Uh, so uh, the overall disinflationary uh, trend is broadening. And this, uh, we think, will be the main driver for lower inflation in the next 12 months. Uh, by contrast, uh, the, the inflation dynamics uh, with the, or the inflation decline in the, in the past 12 months have been much more driven by these famous base effects or by lower energy prices. So a broadening of this disinflationary trend. And just one note also here, the classical uh, uh, inflation or, or price dynamics, uh, uh, which reflects uh, too little supply, uh, lots of demand. So core goods, uh, this is basically everything you're buying or the consumers are buying. In this segment, we see in here also true disinflation. So prices are not rising. Prices are falling in a number of categories. Uh, and this is also arguing for, for a trend uh, that inflation is indeed coming down uh, from the level uh, which we've seen right now uh, from this 3% uh, and slightly higher in the core rate. Okay, so a broadening disinflationary trend. And what does this mean in terms of the Federal Reserve's next move? What are your expectations there? Well, our expectation had been before that, uh, that uh, the Fed is basically done uh, with their tightening cycle. It has been a, a very pronounced uh, tightening cycle from zero all the way up to 5.5%. Uh, when, it, uh, when we look at the upper range of the Fed fund uh, target. Um, we think the, the most recent inflation print uh, confirms uh, this view. Uh, this is shared also by markets when we look at uh, the implied probabilities uh, of what will happen in the next uh, FOMC meeting. This will be in September. 90% um, uh, is the probability that there will be no change in, in interest rates in the September meeting. This is in line with our view. We think uh, the more inflation prints we will have, the more uh, we see in the Fed as well that the inflation dynamics or the disinflation dynamics is broadening, uh, the more comfort the Fed has. Uh, yes, uh, we can look, uh, we, we can keep rates where they are. They are tight. Uh, monetary policy is tight uh, with that and has its effect on slowing uh, down inflation. That said, what we expect also from the Fed going forward is they will not pre-commit themselves if they hike, if they don't hike, if they cut rates. So we have to get used to a Fed which uh, keeps all options open, simply uh, not to drive markets in one or another direction. So here, uh, implying this uncertainty or, or creating some uncertainty uh, not to be pre-committed, simply to have the freedom to react on any number uh, which is coming out uh, when inflation is indeed not coming down as fast as expected, when it's coming down faster than expected, or when it follows the path uh, we expect moving 
over the next 12 months towards the 2%. And let's move over to the UK now. Despite the high inflation there, the GDP figures that came out at the end of last week showed resilient growth in the UK economy. Quarter on quarter growth was 0.2%. This is a positive sign, right? Do you think the UK can avoid a recession? Well, it looks like that, that indeed uh, the, the UK is doing much better than, than feared um, and also signaled uh, by the Bank of England themselves. Uh, we said uh, we will tighten monetary policy and uh, as a result of that, the UK will go into recession. Uh, the same is true for high inflation. Um, this is usually also a drag for consumer behavior. So real consumption is actually uh, declining when you have high prices. It, that's the usual reaction. So there had been lots of fears that that the US uh, that the UK goes into a recession, uh, and it's uh, remarkable how how well the economy is holding up. And um, the best explanation for this holding up is indeed that uh, also in the UK there is somehow the ability to respond to this limited supply, which has caused the inflation, with more investment. And of course, uh, when you uh, respond. Uh, with more investment to limited supply, this is positive for GDP growth. And the second remarkable thing is not only that the economy is doing that, that companies are able uh, to proceed in this respect, but they are able to do that also in a monetary policy environment, which is rather strict, where financing conditions are rather tight, where interest rates are higher. Uh, so this is a true surprise uh, that the economy is doing better and that the chances has definitely increased uh, that the US, uh, that the UK can avoid the recession despite uh, this uh, this quite uh, quite high inflation rates, this high high price increases, and also uh, the the high interest rates. What about the outlook for the Bank of England now? Then, do you think this latest data changes anything? Well, for the next meeting, uh, we stick to the view that uh, another 25 basis point rate hike uh, is in the cards. So um, with economic growth quite good, with inflation still elevated and in an international context, inflation has not come down in the UK as much as, for example, in the US, uh, as in the Eurozone, as in Switzerland. So indeed here, the Bank of England is rather under pressure to do more in terms of fighting inflation. And of course, uh, with uh, positive GDP growth still, avoiding a recession, getting more likely, um, it's much easier uh, to do more here on the monetary policy side in terms of tightening. Uh, We think uh, 25 basis points at least are in the cards. And uh, when we're talking about change, yes, probably a bit more. Uh, So when we're looking beyond the next uh, Bank of England meeting, Uh, This numbers here with uh, GDP stronger than expected, with the economy more resilient than expected. Uh, Of course, the chances are rising uh, that probably more uh, rate hikes uh, could come uh, in the UK. uh, And uh, we're looking actually at our our figures ahead. A lot will depend actually on the next uh, inflation print, which will be out tomorrow. Um, When there is more softening of inflation, then of course, Uh, This takes away some of this pressure uh, that the Bank of England needs to do more. And we could stick to our view, 25 basis point rate hike in the next meeting. And then also the Bank of England would be done. Great. Thanks a lot, David. Really good to get your thoughts this morning. I thank you, Helen.
So that is all for today. Thank you again to my guest this morning and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We would love to hear your feedback. And do join us again tomorrow when John T. Warris will be your host and he'll be speaking to more of our colleagues, including Dario Messi from Fixed Income Research. Have a great day, everyone, and bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer. We would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Baer experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.